Wait, I guess so it, it are, became... are you still in the DIY folk punk? Uh, well, you know, no, but you know, I still listen to it very much. Uh, I I love when bands kind of like take the the culture of it. Honestly, there's a lot of really great bands that are killing it right now that like remind me of that time. They're not necessarily like political, but like have like the sentiment and the tenderness of it. You know, there's like like there's like Jane Lai, who I love a lot. Uh, who's a homie? Hung out with them earlier today. Well, we had a good chat. Um, there's like Told Slant, I love a lot. I mean, they're, they've been around for a minute, but really beautiful sentiment. Florist. I think, like, for me, a lot of, like, the DIY punk community that, that I loved about when I was growing up was its, like, tenderness and sweetness outside of its, like, politicized nature um, or political nature. It was always something that was, like, very communally driven. And I feel like when you can represent that in music, it's really sweet. And I think there's a lot of people doing it right now. Even, like, with the hyper-pop shit, like, I would say Frost Children are one of my favorites right now because they can veer in between the two at this moment and so is my friend Blake you know you know Blake the man uh somebody too who can come off as like you know like with Dean Kissick you know throw that out there but then next have like a song like for goodness sakes and you're like what the hell like there's just tenderness coming from you as well as just like boastfulness and it's interchangeable and I love when people utilize kind of like that, that aspects of, of, the, of the culture I guess yeah I feel like Blake and Frost Children often get lumped into a scene that when people talk about it the earnestness of it gets totally washed away i've I never met more earnest people in my life it's, it's kind of crazy and i think that's like and that's something that's very sweet and that's kind of like for me like i i think of a lot of my friends in in that community as like the sweetest like most like kind earnest people you know um and, and you know and that's something like for me like i guess you ask the questions like are you still in the whole folk punk thing and stuff like that um Kind of, yeah. I mean, even with Precious Human shit, I'm just trying to, like, kind of emulate what the things I love, too, you know, about that and how I treat people and musically how I, like, kind of present it um, as, like, kind of, like, a kind, tender thing, you know. Well, the vocal styling of Precious Human is very not folk punk. Yeah. To, to me, folk <laughs> punk, it, like, there, there is a very unique way of singing that, pretty much every folk punk band will emulate and is never emulated outside of the folk punk scene. Oh, yeah, are, that, you talking, that, are you talking about like the raspy, the, the raspy, like, yeah. Blah, 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 yes. Like yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I guess, like, my whole thing is, like, like Nana Grizzal is one of the people who I, like, I kind of ripped off really hard for my vocal styling, honestly, and even, like, Defiance Ohio, like, um, I think, uh, what's his name? Um, from Defiance Ohio is another person that I like a lot. Not Jeff. Uh, to I me, your vocal styling sounds way more like Tone for the Painfully Alone. Which another person I absolutely just love. And yeah, I'm a person of like trying to like emulate who I love a lot. Is your love of Tone for the Painfully Alone and your love of Defiance Ohio, do they share a common thread or are those just two totally separate things in your head? Because to me, those are two totally separate things. But I'm curious how you feel um, about them. Defiance Ohio was the first band I ever listened to that got me out of like a shitty emo phase, you know, like a scene kid phase. And I found them on YouTube, like a live video when I was like probably 16. And it kind of changed my life. And I just listened to that infinitely. And then Casio Tone was a band that was showed to me Twinkle Let Go. I'm like, I went on a tour when I was 19 with a friend of mine. And uh, he put on one of those records. He put on Twinkle Let Go and absolutely just like changed my life too and 
those two things just have like different separate moments of like nostalgia for me that were like, this is what music could be. This is like what I could be doing right now. Um, and they kind of just like opened up these aspects to me that I just never stopped listening to them. They were so like uh, a beautiful kind of like, I don't know, like an experience. Like they started sounding like old friends eventually. Let me rephrase my question. Cause I, I still, I still don't know the answer to this. When, when you say they opened your mind to what music could be, the thing music could be, are you talking about a specific end point that you think both of those artists are going towards? Or are you talking about a thing you could be doing with your life? A way of expression, like a method of it, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's like you had one people on the other side, like playing this, this, these easy chords and yelling over a guitar and, and being poignant like Nana Gazal or Defense Ohio and like Gila Hilton and like, you know, all, all those people were doing during that time. And like, then you had Castotone doing the same thing, but kind of like not as, but like in the confines without a band, just by himself, like making like a drum beat and then doing like a chord organ or, or, or like a, a synth above it or doing like something like crazy like that. And it made me seem more simple. So when I got like home and I could download like, a shitty trial version of like Acoustica Mixcraft for like seven days. I could like use the keyboard on there and like the sequencer they had and like go home and, and do that. Or I can get an acoustic guitar with like my rock band microphone from the video game, hook it up the USB in my computer and then record like a home recording of like a Defile Ohio-esque song. Like it made everything seem accessible um, and doable. Cause like, you know, this is before like every, I had GarageBand on my phone, you know, I had to like shitty computer, laptop, you know, and a fucking toilet roll that I put my mic in just to stand it up, you know, and like, yeah, you know, and it's something like, again, when you look, when things become accessible, it's always really nice, you know, it's like, and so when those things correlate to me, it was just DIY culture in itself, you know. What were the communities in North Texas you were involved in like? Beautiful, honestly. I came from a place called 1919 Hemp and I volunteered there for like, a good while that was a kid it kind of saved my life honestly um and it was just it was just like a like a, a community center that was like no drugs no alcohol it was like a free clothing store free food store uh it had like a robust like music library and library radical library um it was two stories they had shows in the second floor but they also had like organizational aspects too like people can use the space for free um, and it was there for a while. It was there for like 10 to 11 years. Um, and that was like kind of like the headquarters center point for me. Um, you could book shows there. You can have all these events there. Like a lot of my bands and a lot of my friends' bands, like at the time, were like, that was our home, you know? Like, uh, and then around, and that was in Fort Worth, Texas, right? Um, but then like the scene kind of like spread out. It wasn't so like exclusive or like or like clicky it was like i feel like everybody talked to each other it was a lot of inclusivity like a lot of the hardcore bands a lot of like the db bands would fuck around with the pop punk bands and like all these people were interweaving in each other's like musical projects and communities you know and this is like kind of like i guess why i have such like a big head for like community here right you know how did you find that space uh you just heard about it when you were a kid it's like there's this mythical place called 1919 hemphill we got to go. My friend Evan, who is this like really like folk punker, like 
train hopper type was always telling me about it and I was like yeah we gotta go and he would tell me these crazy stories of it and then eventually like I started a folk punk band when I was a kid called Kids of Cons um and uh where I just played tambourine and screamed <laughs> and uh this and, checks uh, out this makes sense I believe yeah, every word you're yeah, saying kids of cons kids check it out uh it's 16 year old me 17 year old me um but uh yeah and we'd play shows there and you know there was people named like rick uh rick v and like al rios and a bunch of people who ran the space and they would just put us on every show they would just after we played was like oh you're welcome to do it and and that means i got like to everybody became accessible like i got to play a show with like paul barabo i got like I got to like guest in my friend's set for the Kimia Dawson show. I got to like see all these bands come through, you know, I got to like play with off with your heads, you know, like, I just like uh, a lot of these bands I looked up to at the time, they just all became accessible. Um, and, and it just was very beautiful at the time. You know, it made, it made music like not a thing that I was trying to like make money with at the time. It just made it like, Oh, like, I could learn a lot from all of this. And what were you doing before you found this space? Uh, I was like, I was, I was like, like skateboarding a lot, I guess. At the time I was like, I, I didn't, I was a high school dropout. So I was just like kind of on the streets a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I, I, a lot, I had like a really like kind of intense growing up era of my life where I dropped out of high school at an early age and then um, dropped out of school in general like the first semester in ninth grade uh, and I wasn't really doing anything and then I got really into poetry and skateboarding and so it was like um, I got really into spoken word poetry for a time like I was practically I felt like I'm pretty much illiterate but like, like I got really into reading like lyrics from like bright eyes and like Leonard Cohen and then like poetry from Leonard Cohen and like spoken word poetry bits that people would post like Buddy Wakefield. Uh, One of the things we've been talking about, not necessarily on this show, but just like me and you over Instagram leading up to this. um, We both seem to like a lot of the same, like super lyrical music. Yeah. 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 The aughts. Like Casio Tone, Mountain Goats. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Absolutely. Well, this coincides with myself being like, being like, those are my my teachers, right? Like, these are people I can open up the lyric book and I can just read along. And, you know, their feelings were kind of apparent and I felt them. It was like a a movement in me. And like with Casio Tone, the Mountain Goats, Mountain Mountain Goats especially. Oof. Like, let me tell you, like the Mountain Goats did something like, I, I wouldn't like all hell West Texas when I heard that album. Oof! I could just sit with that record forever, and then all Eternals deck like forget about it. Like I, I was just obsessed. Like uh, it, w- it was something that I, I would, I would just sit there in front of like a screen and just read along with these albums constantly, and then get it done. And I would pick up my guitar and then start writing. I'd be like, I'm so inspired, and I would just go in and like. Casio tone to like even like parenthetical girls too that first record and you posted that it's so fucking was good. like it's so good and it was just and, and and it's 
something where Pantherical Girls, I just can't believe they never really got bigger than they were, honestly. With that with that Morrissey crew. Well, for for me, the appeal of a lot of that music when I was younger was like I don't have educated parents. I like literature, but I don't other than like what they give me in school, which I fucking hate, I don't have any access to culture in my life at all. I don't no. know what literature is. I know I like the idea of it and I like <laughs> the glimpses of it I can yeah. get. Yeah, but yeah. like nobody was telling me who like John Berryman was or any anything like that. So the closest I could get the whole study. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although there was that line it was like there was the somebody you thought that John Berryman could fly, but he didn't so he died. He said you're pretty good at words. The words won't save your life and it didn't so he died. Like, I went to my fucking bookstore and picked up a John Berryman poetry book because of that. And I was like, who the fuck is John Berryman? What is the whole thing? What is Craig Finn talking about? And like, again, that was that was a teacher there. That was like, he opened, did I read that John Berryman book that I bought? Fuck no, I didn't read that book. It's on my shelf, but, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> I bought it. <laughs> I can't tell you a goddamn John Berryman poem.
Yeah. 